So the presidential candidates, some of them, I don't know if you saw this, did interviews with Cosmo magazine. Um, and one of the things that Cosmo is asking the candidates is, what is your skincare routine? Mm-hmm. They ask a series of very good, important, like real questions before that. Okay. So I think this is acceptable. I'm not making fun of Cosmo magazine for a series of good interviews. Yeah. Um, and the one that stirred up, two of them stirred up controversy. Uh, Elizabeth Warren stirred up controversy. She said, I use Pond's moisturizer twice a day. I never wash my face. And the interviewer said, never. And she said, nope, never. She does not wash her face her. with cleanser or soap. Well, she just, I, she just, I assume, just uses the shower water and yeah, then moisturizes her. Well, I don't know. I don't, go on. What was the other one? The other one was uh, Pete Buttigieg. She said, I also don't moisturize. Um, and then this was followed by Chasen tweeting, uh, Peter, you do moisturize. And he tweeted a picture of the like masculine grooming product that he uses. That doesn't sound like controversy. Not controversy. The Elizabeth Warren one was controversial. I bet. How much clarification did they get from Elizabeth Warren? Did they ask if she even does it in the shower? No. Because I don't go out of my way to wash my face, but I do like... Do you wash it with soap? I'm in the shower, yeah. I get soap all over my body. And I, I think she very specifically does not wash her face. This was based on a piece of advice she got from someone that said, don't wash your face, just use Pond's moisturizer. All right. I it's mean, working for her, obviously, but I think it's genetics. Sure. Okay, fair. I think you have to wash your face. I agree. I think you should wash your face. You should wash your face. <laughs> Gonna have a lot of fun Gonna hit a run And the littlest league possible In the littlest league possible Gonna make a big splash Welcome back to Tater Tots. Is that good? Yeah. Do we like that energy? Welcome back to Tater Tots, friend. I really don't feel good in the energy. I need to find the energy. What's the energy? Welcome back to Tater Tots. Don't make fun of me. <laughs> No, I'm trying to. Imp- I was trying, trying to, to get trying energy. to give you energy. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Tater Tots for another week. I'm Tim. I'm Duncan. And uh, spread some. I need a rhyme. I need a fun rhyme. Forget for what? It. What are you trying to rhyme? It's 2020. Welcome to welcome to another decade. Money. Welcome. Who needs money? It's like a half rhyme, yeah. slam rhyme. When you're 2020, it's 2020. It's a new year. And it's the same old tater boys. We're still patiently waiting for baseball to come back. Um, it's not. It was, I don't know. I haven't been following the tweets as closely. Is it fun right now? Right now? No. This is a boring time of year. Thank goodness we took a couple weeks off right now because there hasn't been a lot of news yeah. to analyze. <laughs> or, you know, anything for us. Or do what we do. Or do what we do <laughs> <laughs> here on Tater Tots. Uh, yeah, everybody's been taking time to be with their, uh, loved ones on this holiday season, and we wish everyone well. I hope that is what's happened. I hope so, too. I followed Alex Blandino on Instagram. Has he posted anything? He posts stories sometimes. Oh, really? he's on vacation right now. He posted an interesting video, like, a week ago, that I thought was him swatting dingers, Mm -hmm. and I was like, wow, Alex Blandino looking good, but I think it was his friend, (laughs) and he was, he was, he was throwing batting practice. Alex Blandino's friend. Another baseball player. Oh, okay. I just thought maybe it was some guy. And Alex Blandino was like, look at my friend. Nothing on Alex Blandino's Instagram lately. 
I thought he had one right now. I think I just watched him yesterday. He's got no stories. No maybe, stories? Maybe the story disappeared. Hmm. He went whale watching last year. What a lovely life this man has. Blandino? Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy for him. I, I mean, chill vibes, right? Chill, good vibes. Stanford, Reds, good vibes. Gotta get off Instagram. You hate Instagram now, too? <sighs> I think I'm cutting social media out of my life. Wow, what are you gonna do? I don't know. <laughs> like, what are you gonna do with your time, I mean? I don't know, but the thing is, is that right now all I do is sit around and read on social media. Uh-huh. And it feels like a waste of time. It is, I guess. Yeah. I mean, what is a waste of time, though? I mean, you only... I don't know. I could There's be only so much you can be doing. Accomplishing something. What do you want to accomplish? Reading a book. Why is that better than reading a Twitter? Because it ends. There is a sense of completion. You like to complete things. Yeah, I feel like I'm not... I haven't completed anything in a while. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. Because the Twitter never ends. Yeah, that is true. Never, ever, ever. There's never a last page. No, I mean, that's... I used, when uh, I used to try to read <laughs> All every tweet. Yeah. It's um, impossible now. Yeah. Well, they change. I mean, I still, I, I have it set, so I see latest tweets. So in theory, I could do that, but I've long abandoned that. I mean, it was very stressful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I just wanted to make sure I saw everything. Make sure you read all the news. Sometimes people would say, in case you missed it, and I said, oh, impossible. I, no, I don't I read it. every tweet. That's <laughs> <laughs> how I spend my time. It's a lovely afternoon here in New York. Uh, Warm, which means in my apartment, too hot. hot. Too hot. Uh, happy winter. Yeah. Um, Ty Kelly, uh, I think he's a Met. Um, he's a baseball player. He's made his catchphrase, pimping, pimping dingers doesn't matter, the planet is dying. So he's been tweeting that a lot. Oh, did you send me that? Yeah. I didn't know who Ty Kelly was. He's a baseball player. Oh. And he keeps tweeting that over and over again. And we're reminded of that on this unseasonably warm yeah. January day. Correct. I'm going to go to Ty Kelly's Twitter really quickly. Just checking in with some of our baseball players on... On social. Social. I also follow Bryce Harper on Instagram. Um, he seems like he leads a nice, nice life. He's got a son called Zap or something. <laughs> yeah, it's something dumb. Sorry, Bryce. I run a wildly popular theoretical food truck at City Field. Hashtag sweet potato ties. Yeah. This guy loves sweet potatoes. And me too. I mean, I think sweet potatoes are great. He's an Olympian. He's Jewish. He's a vegan. He's a vegan? Wait, Ty Kelly's vegan? Uh-huh. Dang, maybe I have a new favorite baseball player, eh? <laughs> I like this guy. <laughs> yeah, we all love Ty Kelly now. Is he a tater tot? <clears throat> Good question. A sweet potato tater tot? Maybe we should uh, do an episode on Ty Kelly. Sweet potato tot. His career, three home runs. That's not very many. No, he was a tater tot in 2016. Ah, but so we, we did miss it. Most just missed him. In 2017, he hit two home runs. Last year, he had no home runs. No home runs, so... Sorry, Ty. Maybe next year. Maybe next year. I mean, hopefully not. In the meantime, stop pimping home runs. The planet is dying. No, he's saying the opposite. What is he saying? He's saying pimping home runs doesn't matter or something like that. He's saying, stop freaking out about that. You should be freaking out about global warming. Pimping home runs doesn't matter. The planet is dying. Yes, that's his catchphrase. He says, I'm at the airport. If anybody has any questions for me, they don't have to be about the airport. Please don't make me read a book. (laughs) (laughs) I like this guy. I appreciate him. All right. I'm going to hit follow. Actually, I wasn't following him before. I was just seeing some of his tweets retweeted into my timeline. So... Yeah, yeah, it's tater tots. You want to talk about uh, what do we talk about first? The we do a comrades of baseball segment first. All right, this is where we drop the music in. Sign up, stand, 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 stand.
there's a big, a new... Do you remember when we talked about how the Astros were cheating by banging on trash cans? Well, guess what? Uh, the Red Sox are, were also cheating, but in a different way. Not surprised. Not even offended by this, honestly. This is a good perspective to have. I'm not sure where I come down on it. So what happened is that every Major League Baseball team has a video room where mm-hmm. the players go and review their work and also a coach sits to decide whether it would be appropriate to call for a replay review yeah and what has happened with the red Sox and presumably every other team in baseball is that the replay coach would sit there and look at the signs the catcher was putting down and say well here's their system whenever they have a runner on second they would signal what pitch was coming to me it seems like this is a case of Major League Baseball, for some reason, not making a rule to cover this and everyone taking advantage of it. So during the playoffs, they did put a monitor in the video room. Mm -hmm. And previous to that, there was a memo at some point that said, hey, just to be clear, you're not allowed to cheat. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It said, you're not allowed to use this room, by the way, to steal signs. Great. (laughs) It seems like everyone did it. There's a quote in the article said, oftentimes it takes a player to show up and be like, you effing morons, you're not doing this? My The only other thing, like, my outstanding question about this is why... I mean, like, they've always had video rooms. Mm-hmm. There's always been an availability for players to, like, review, like, to go into a clubhouse very quickly in between at-bats and, like, review their at-bats and see what was going on. So I'm wondering... I wonder how far back this controversy goes that's a great question it probably helps now over the past i mean it's been a long time we've had instant replay five years at least yeah so probably it helped to have someone always sitting back there but there's probably always someone sitting back there to help people look at their at-bats yeah i don't know i just really it seems like so i mean so compare this like make a moral argument about why this is less bad than what the astros were doing it's not i think i think that you think the astros are also fine i think that what this reveals I don't remember. Was I mad about the Astros? I don't remember. Uh, what I think all that this reveals is that the like the scale of the malfeasance is much bigger, but that kind of mm, makes the magnitude of the crime smaller. Very everybody's doing it, and so I mean, I, I a couple things about this. I think that the can you make a moral argument? Would you like to? I'm I'm gonna see. Okay. I'm gonna see if I can. The magnitude of the crime is smaller because this would still only apply when a runner's on second because they give the signal, you know, they tell the clubhouse what's up and then once someone's out there, then they signal to the batter, which is a little bit more in line with the way that stealing signs is allowed in baseball. I don't know what I mean by allowed, but they've always stolen signs and relayed it that way. Yeah. Um, Whereas in the Astros case, it was given to every batter. Um Right? With the with the banging on the trash cans. Yes. Okay. And secondly, it did not involve any technology that's not already like an established part of the game, whereas the Astros brought an additional camera out to center field and cheated with it. Yeah, maybe that's why I was mad about the Astros. Because they did... I don't know. Maybe... In... I, think, I think you're making points. I made two of them. But I'm still not mad about this. And I, I wouldn't... I, I maintain that if it came out that every team did this, I would be even less mad. I suspect that a lot of teams did this. Oh, yeah. I mean, because how could you not? How I mean, it's right not. there. You're giving it to them. 
You say, please. Please steal the signs. Please give your team an advantage. Um, I, I think we should go back to the old days. With no technology? No, nothing at all. Let's let's start over. Yeah, I mean, there are two options. There was a report that Rob Manfred is weighing either a technological solution, such as the pitcher and catcher having a little microphone, or the opposite, what you're suggesting, is remove all the text. You're not allowed to have replay room. Did that... Do you remember... I feel like there was a brief period of time, and I don't know if it ever really caught on when they were talking about not a microphone, but, like, some kind of device that would allow the catcher to send, like, electronic pulses to the pitcher. I think we've talked about this. Have we? Yeah. I could swear that this was a real thing that somebody suggested as a solution. Yeah, I mean, I've heard that suggested. You do a little Apple Watch and do, like, the heartbeat thing. Yeah. Doot, doot, doot. I... Why not? Yeah, I mean, you could do that if you wanted to. I think it would be easier if you just had a little microphone and you could say... Change up. <laughs> Ooh, that Sneaky. would give me goosebumps if I were a pitcher. Just, just like little, ASMR up there. Because you don't want to talk too loud, obviously, or else yeah, the batter will hear you. Well, you could also relay from the dugout instead of using the catcher. Then the batter wouldn't be able to hear you at all. You just use signs. That's what... Uh, that's no, what... You, you'd use the microphone in the dugout. Oh, yeah, you could just call it from there. That's probably what they would want. Yeah. Because nobody wants their catcher calling the games anymore. That's what true. did they know? I assume, right? I mean, if the front office had their way, they would call the games. They, yeah. I mean, they want to play the game a particular way. I assume that the catcher would like to call his own game, but it's not going to happen. What needs to happen is no television broadcasts allowed at all. Oh, return baseball to like its its nineteen tens kind of state. Every stadium is like a five thousand seat seat stadium. Yeah, every game is played at like. 4.30 in the afternoon. That'd be good. So you can get home in time for supper. Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? Imagine on a day like today. Yeah. And you have a professional game. team in like Pawtucket or something. Yeah. <laughs> They're not even a professional team in Pawtucket anymore. Yeah. I mean, a major league team is what I meant. Oh. Or um, like, I don't know, Bogalusa. What? Is that his town? Yeah. I watched a movie about it. Did you? Yeah. Is okay. that that movie that you, yeah. Oh, yes. A little documentary you logged. It was nice. You should watch it. You gave it like three stars. It was nice. I, it was a good three stars. My expectations were low and it got three stars. You know how you could indicate more exactly. I'm not using half stars. What kind of opinion you have on a movie. It would be by using half stars. No, well, that doesn't make it more exact. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it's just like it. There's just it doesn't. I don't like a half star. Obviously, Tim refuses to use half stars on Letterboxd. You gotta commit. <clears throat> and you've committed, and we appreciate it, but it... No one it appreciates this. <laughs> you, I have, uh, I I mean, have three Letterboxd followers. No half stars. That's fine. You do what you want. Thank you. And I think that you make the context a little clearer with the, the text of your reviews. Mm -hmm. And that's really where you get that nuance. Yeah, that's what... That's how it seems to me. I'm also trying to... This is the first time I've ever talked to anybody about my letterbox methodology. Yeah, let's hear it. Um, it's public. It's public domain now. Everybody's going to know how I work my letterbox. Um, for a time, I was trying to like live blog on there. Mm -hmm. um, I remember this. You would log a movie before rating it. You would just put your initial thought, and then you'd continue as in the comments as you watch the film. The comments are a bad place for it. I think you just need to edit. Like, what I've been doing lately is just editing the actual review as I go. Mm -hmm. And, like, new thoughts get separated by a semicolon. 
And that's how I'm getting my whole thoughts into the movie. But the other thing is that I think that's distracting, and sometimes I just want to watch the movie and decide later. Um, so I might put, like, an initial thought and then put my phone down and then put another initial thought at the end. I don't know. It's a work in progress. Letterbox is weird. I usually watch a movie in the movie theater, so I definitely am not... On your phone? On my phone. Yeah. But then how do you remember everything that happened in the movie? You know, <laughs> I mean, honestly... <laughs> One of the ways that I remember is I think about my review while I'm watching the movie, which is a terrible way to watch a movie. Very distracting. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like the thing where you're somebody else is talking and you're waiting for your turn to talk. Oh, it's so much like that. Yep. Frustrating. Um, this keeps happening. We're on the domestic violence beat now. Yep. Yeah. I just, I felt that's why I felt like I had to include it because, you know, we launched a discussion about the prevalence of domestic violence in baseball, so I just... Want to note, there was another big suspension handed down to uh, Yankees pitcher Domingo Herman uh, for domestic violence, and it's bad. I think that the only way that anything is going to change is with increased exposure. Mm-hmm. So I say this keeps happening in kind of a sad and mournful way, uh, and it is sad and mournful. It shouldn't happen as often as it happens, um, but as long as it's going to keep happening... It's I mean, better that it's, it's better that in the it's in the public eye and that people know that it's not going to be tolerated. Yeah. Although, was he suspended or arrested or both? Suspended by the Yankees. He was suspended by the league. Oh, I mean, good, not tolerating. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mookie Betts broke a record. I thought it was a more auspicious record than it turned out to be. Was it an arbitration record? Um, yes, it was. Oh, I didn't notice. Mm-hmm. I thought that he had got like a big record-breaking contract from the Red Sox, but instead, all he got uh, was uh, the largest salary ever gotten out of arbitration. Which I'm was, not like, surprised, but what was it? Twenty-seven, something like that. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money that very clearly indicates that the Red Sox would not like to extend Mookie Betts. Well, I mean, you get what you're paid in arbitration, right? That's the system of arbitration is far too complicated to explain, but I. why do you think that that means they don't want to extend him? I think if they wanted to extend him, they would have by now. Well, yeah, it's true. I mean, they've been trying their darndest to trade him. Yes. It seems like they still might trade him to the Dodgers, uh, to which I say, please, please don't. Yeah. Come on, please. Do, do the right thing and trade him to the Pirates. Yeah. Ben Charrington. Yeah. Not going to happen. No, that will happen, definitely. Yeah, I mean, he's only going to be on the team for one year. I think that'd be a great trade for the Pirates. They haven't so much designed a catcher yet. They're still working on that, huh? I think that's a minor league guy. My patience and hope is waning. Dwindling again. Yep. Very. You very should make like a, every day, <laughs> just like, like chart. chart. <laughs> yeah, your confidence in the Pirates, one to ten, no half stars. Yeah, of course. <laughs> And then See, just make a graph. If Letterboxd really wanted me to use half stars, they would give me the opportunity to rate things out of 10 instead of 5. They do, essentially. No, they don't. <laughs> there are only 5 stars. I know, but there are half stars. No. Give me 10 full stars or give me nothing. And then give that's me a, half... That's a famous... Um, what's the guy? Patrick Henry. Yeah, it's a famous Patrick Henry quote. Give me 10 full stars or give me nothing. <laughs> he was talking about the American flag. Yes, he was. And they said, we're going to go with 13. <laughs> <laughs> and he he pouted in a corner. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that was the last anyone ever heard of him too. So Tim, you haven't read this. This uh, is an article from the Athletic on 2020 predictions and thoughts from sports industry figures. Most of the figures in this like give thoughtful answers to what they think is going to happen in the decade ahead. But the very first person on this list is 
uh, Poet Laureate Scott Boris. How can you not include Scott Boris in something like this? Like, how like, you have to? You have to. Who he is, like professionally, but also like knowing about his proclivity for like wordplay. Mm-hmm. I'm very happy. Well, okay, but I mean, just for example, here's uh, Rick Kleiman who says, "I'm expecting to see more growth in the WNBA and the MLS in 2020. There are incredible athletes in both legs, and compelling stories will start to be told about the athletes, etc." People genuinely thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Here's what Scott Boris says. Yeah. 2020. No period. It's the beginning of a new decade. The MLB Roaring Twenties ellipsis. One. A jazzy new CBA will play new tunes. Play new tunes. <laughs> Two. Signed bootleggers will be fined and suspended. That's a pretty good uh, kind of an analogy there. Three. Reliever prohibitions will be enforced. I don't quite know what it means. It's the thing that's already happening where they... Yeah. Where you, you're, you're not allowed it. to throw to... Fewer than two consecutive batters. Okay. Four. Flappers will crowd the Clevelander in Miami and double attendance. I like that. Seems like a real prediction. I don't know... What that's based on. Why yeah. flappers. Well, I mean, there's like that Art Deco vibe in Miami. And especially... Is that the like... Cle- the Clevelander is like a... It's like a... Like a... Prohibition era vibey restaurant in the stadium. I don't know why he thinks Miami is... <laughs> Down to change at all? I don't know. They've not given any. It's a big city. Well, I guess, but as long as Derek Jeter owns that team. Uh, Five. Yes. The great luxury tax depression will occur. Again, don't know what that indicates exactly. It means that teams aren't going to spend money because of the luxury tax cap. Oh, okay. And? It's Deja roaring all over again. He just had to get that in there. Yeah, he had to get that, <laughs> obviously, that very sensical sentence that we all understand. I think it's probably something that just popped into his head, and he wrote it down, and either forgot to delete it, or forgot to punch <laughs> it up, or maybe just thought that it didn't need punching up. I, it's perfect. I mean, what's the change about It's Deja Roaring all over again? It's kind of a pun. On vu? Yeah. I, look, Deja Vu... Roaring 20s. Yeah. I understand what he's mashing together, he's but a, there's not enough connective tissue. It's not a pun, it's a mashup. It's, it's a, a mashup. mashup. It's a, it's a Scott yeah, Boris special. DJ Scott Boris. He loves to mash things up. Um, obviously, this is very funny. <laughs> That's it. We love him. I love him. I love him. I don't have anything more to say about Scott Boris. He's a blessing. I think that's that's all we have to say on the subject. Uh, I, uh, lovely. Yeah, thanks, comrades. Well... Uh, now it's time to turn on the Todd stove. Why don't you make the sound effect? How'd I do? You did great. Could it have been louder? No. Okay. It's already very warm in this apartment. The yeah, Todd the last stove. thing we need is to turn all these burners on. Yeah. Uh, big news out of San Francisco. The Giants have signed Tyler Heineman. Well, he's the player that we... Did we talk about him most recently or second most recently? Second most Second recently. Most recently mm-hmm. uh, he was a catcher for the Marlins last year, and I think that both of us neglected to realize that he was a minor league free agent. I thought he was going to be with the Marlins again. But in fact, no. A minor league free agent. Um, some catching depth for the Giants. Pretty good. He's uh, That's it. Also, he's a magician. Uh, Grant Brisby claimed he was an amateur magician. As I would say, that sounds accurate. Tyler Heineman responded to him on Twitter and said, technically, he's been tipped a dollar on multiple occasions. Does that mean I'm a pro? I don't think so. No, I don't think you can be a pro unless you, like, sign a contract or something. Or are paid 
paid ahead of time. Agreed on, like, agreed that you will do magic for money. Exactly. Because it makes you a pro. I think someone giving you a dollar because you did a good job of magic is different. I can't believe people are tipping him so little money. Yeah, you gotta tip 20% on your magic. Well, I, 20% would be zero dollars. <laughs> but, I mean, Major League Baseball players will occasionally tip someone, like, a hundred dollar bill or something just because they have unlimited money. Would you tip your friend a hundred dollars? I feel like... If my friend were Tyler Heineman, like, this and is kind of magic. Yeah, you... I mean, if I'm Archie Bradley and I have millions of dollars and Tyler Heineman presumably does not have a lot of money, he has an okay amount of money because he's been in the major leagues, but... I would feel weird about giving him $100, kind of. Unless he, like, played a birthday party. If he was just doing magic in the clubhouse, I wouldn't just hand him money. No, that would be weird. Would I be think a dollar is funny. I think that's why they did the tip, because it's a it's a, a tiny amount of money, and it's kind of funny. Yeah, he could, like, put a little jar out in the clubhouse while he does magic. Maybe they, like, tucked the dollar into his clothes or and something. it was, like, a joke. Yeah. I still think he's not a professional magician, although I root for him. <clears throat> Perhaps someday he'll be a professional magician. Maybe someday, Tyler. The Reds? Look, this is terrible. Oh, this, no, this is awful. This is, this is disgusting, making me wretch just thinking about it. The Reds have DFA'd Nick Martini again. Mm. The second time this offseason he's been DFA'd the fourth time in his career, I think. Why does this keep happening to him? I think that it is because he is at the perfect level of goodness. Just like that player, um, we talked about this player, he runs fast. The guy who runs fast? He's the guy who runs fast. And his name is Billy Hamilton. No. Oh, we did an episode. We did. A whole he has the fastest trot. We did a whole episode. Oh, uh, Adam Rosales. Adam Rosales was notable for being DFA'd back and forth, back and forth between the A's and the Astros at one point, like yeah. eight times or something. And he and Nick Martini are of a similar caliber player that's worth having on your roster. People are going to keep picking you up, but also just on the very edge of. Um, quality so that you're going to keep being dfa'd when something better comes along so if you were a little bit worse you would probably just be in the minor leagues for a while forever so we'll see where nick martini lands next yeah oh no there it is majors designated for assignment has he had the opportunity to accept maybe he's just in the reds minor league system now oh um i don't know how long ago did this happen we've been off for a couple weeks so i'm not sure on the timing this was only four days ago so he has a few more days he has a few more days they might trade him that's always a possibility when a player is DFA'd. Yeah, so he hasn't necessarily, but they just got, uh, they just they just signed Shogo Akiyama. So that was kind of a big that's, sign for the for the Reds. That's where their... That's where their roster spot went. Yeah. 26-man rosters this year. Still 40-man rosters for the overall, though. And that's the news. 26 is not different enough. <laughs> you wish it were 27. Then you'd be interested. Well, 28, maybe. Isn't twenty eight the playoff roster? No. Why do I why do I have twenty eight in my mind? I don't know. Okay. Um, more DFA news. Pat Valaika chopped from the Orioles. And what about Chris Herman? Uh, not chopped. Signed by the Rays to a minor league deal. Okay, that sounds like good news. What about Eric Haas? Uh, well, he was DFA'd as well by the uh, Indians, who then traded him to the Tigers. Because <laughs> you can trade people after they've been DFA'd, you still control. You still yeah have control over that player for ten days before you have to. They have to make a decision about whether to accept the assignment. What about next week's tater tot, Abraham Alante? The Padres signed him to a minor league deal. Great question. Good. We'll talk about him more next. We'll week. talk about next week. What what's the deal with Abraham Alante and what's he gonna do in San Diego next year? Who knows? Hopefully something. Well, maybe he'll 
play, we would hope. Uh, still waiting on Greg Bird to sign with the Pirates. I just I added a couple little like yeah. I mean, there's there's some. I I think that you were good to add these to the the sheet because these are the two biggest question marks on the tot stove for us. Yeah. Uh, uh Greg Bird is still uh, unsigned, and Ben Zobrist may or may not be retiring. Yeah, still hasn't made a decision. It seems like on whether he's going to play next year. I think every one of the players that has been DFA'd from this list is going to wind up on the Pirates. Literally, if I were the Pirates, I would I would sign. Have up the Pirates him. had Pat Vilaika on their team? No, because it seems like no. He's been a Rockies forever. Seems like kind of a piratey player. He was a young young one of those young Rockies. Mm-hmm. I don't think he caught on like Rymel Tapia did, but I think they came up around the same time. Okay. Speaking of the Rockies, let's talk about today's tater tot. Troy Tulowitzki. Was that what you were waiting for? I don't know what I was waiting for. That's the man's name. Stop wearing it out. Let's watch the dingers. It's just that you stop wearing my name out. Please stop wearing my name out. You just like punching the name. It's like the the letters on Sesame Street that are all 3D and you're just beating them to death. Stop. Please stop wearing out my name. Don't wear that out. High fly ball. Right field and deep. Record back. Track. Wall. Home run the other way by Tulowitzki. His first is a Yankee. Five two O's. I bet that's a fun trot for Tulowitzki. Obviously, would have loved it to be a tie game. That's why those tack on runs are so important for the Orioles. To see him going the other way, and that one in the second deck, I think. This is Troy Tulowitzki's last home run of his whole career. Yes, it was. It was a storied career. Maybe the most accomplished tater tot to date. Chase Utley. Didn't we do like Willie Mays or something? Well, <laughs> like Ted Williams. Yeah. But like, <laughs> um, most accomplished. Uh, I don't know how we separate out. Like you know, the current regular tater tots. Tater tots. We got our historical tater tots and our regular. Tater-tots. The historical tater tots that we cherry pick so specifically, so, so as to cover someone like Ted Williams, so that they're interesting. And then this guy who kind of just flops onto our radar, like Troy Tulowitzki or Tyler Heineman. Troy Tulowitzki. Probably second to Chase Utley. Yeah. Uh, but uh, well, still a, a very good player and uh, indeed a tragic end to an interesting career. I think the only thing that separates Chase Utley from Troy Tulowitzki is luck. But his, I mean, absolutely derailed by injuries. Yep. Um, yeah, and the Boston Red Sox. Uh, yeah, he Troy Tulowitzki had such a hard time, it seemed to me, getting around those bases. Yeah, probably because he was incredible... He was in incredible calf pain. He's injured everything that you could possibly injure. His whole body is an injury. Yeah. So here's what happened with Troy Tulowitzki. Tell me. Well, he grew up in Santa Clara. Oh. Or perhaps, I don't know, adjacent. I was born in Santa Clara and went to school near there. So that's near San Jose, Mm -hmm. Bay Area kid. Yep. The Field of Jeans. Oh, Santa Clara is where the 49ers play. It's Levi Stadium. Stadium. Took me a second. Super Bowl champion, San Francisco 49ers. They have been Super Bowl champions. Not in, not in a while. I think they will win the Super Bowl. This year. Oh, this year? No, I think the other team is going to win. The, what other team? The Rams or whatever. Not in the playoffs. No, the, whatever team is good. The 49ers, I think, are the best remaining team. No, there's another team that's good. The Ravens lost last night. Oh, really? Yeah. Is the playoffs already? <laughs> yeah, of course it is. Super Bowl's <laughs> coming up. Yeah, I think that the 49ers are going to win your Super Bowl this year. No, it seems likely. Now that I know the Ravens are gone, who I totally remembered were a football team when I was claiming the Rams were good. 
So he, uh, Troy Tulowitzki, well, he's a good high school player, but he wasn't drafted, and instead he went to play baseball for Cal State Long Beach. Yeah, you made a comment on Cal State Long Beach in the show notes that I don't understand at oh, all. Oh, yeah, the name of the mascot is the Dirtbags. What? Yeah, they're the Long Beach Dirtbags. They're called the Dirtbags? Officially? Yeah, I believe so. I'm, I hope I'm not saying something stupid. No, I mean, I believe you, but I can't believe it. Maybe it's a nickname? No, yeah, it's official. They're called the Dirtbags? Yeah, they're the Dirtbags. Why would anyone go to school there? Because they want to go play for the Long also, Beach Dirtbags. a big, weird pyramid on their campus? What is this? <laughs> Here's what their pin tweet says. Dirtbags don't take short but shortcuts. Dirtbags don't make excuses. Dirtbags don't give up. I'm dirt not bags, sure that... Just do it. I'm not sure that any of that is true. No, I think that the opposite is true. Yeah. When you're talking about dirtbags, I think dirt they're very bag. likely to make an excuse or something. Okay, so, yeah, confirmed they're called... They have two nicknames. One says The Beach, but that's probably like a, just a shortened... Like, when you talk about the school, you say, oh, The Beach. That's cool. But, yeah, no, they're the dirtbags. I'm surprised you didn't... You're usually on top of college mascots. I've never heard of this. I need to learn about it. Can I'm just going to take a brief... Just to spin through Wikipedia. <laughs> All right. To see if I can find any explanation. How come they have become the dirt bags? Why did you call your team the dirt bags? Because they're bags full of dirt. I mean, what is a person but a dirt bag? I don't even think that's true. People are mostly water. Yeah. You're thinking of, I'm thinking of a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Although the baseball team, like all other Long Beach State University sports teams, is officially known as the 49ers, the baseball team's players and fans alike generally prefer the more colloquial name, the dirt bags. Only the baseball team. This ironic handle is a great source of pride and shared identity for the program in no small part because it is frequently misinterpreted by outsiders as being a disparagement. Yeah, I can't imagine why. Can't imagine why. The term first appeared in 1989. Eh. Hard-nosed guys, something to prove. Eh. Oh, you hate it now. Like, it's a little bit hack. You wish it was because they were, like, genuine, they were affiliated with the mafia or something. Or, like, just, like, dirty people. Just, like, never, no showers. No showers, no face cleaning. Right. A bunch of Elizabeth Warrens on if their they, team. If they really impla- embraced just, like, smelling bad and being gross, I yeah. think that that would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact that they're just, like... <laughs> no, they're just gritty. We're a bunch of hard-nosed athletes is, like, well, you and everybody else, like... You don't see other people going around being like, ooh, we I'm call it clean. I'm a- the prissies. <laughs> Everybody's a hard-nosed athlete and loves to be scrappy. How often do you think Troy the Whiskey takes a shower? Every day. You think? Yeah, I'm sure. He's kind of clean-cut. Yeah, he, like, values his defense. I think that that reflects an attention to detail. Oh, interesting. So you think he, like, files his nails and stuff, too? Yes, yeah. Yeah, probably. So Troy Tulowitzki <laughs> was uh, drafted by the Rockies in 2005. Yeah. A legendary draft. That resulted in a lot of very good major league talent. Jacoby Ellsbury. That's all I remember. Some other players. Yep. And then, here's one of the wild things about Trey Tulowitzki. has made his major league debut in 2006. He played only 126 minor league games. Made and, the jump from double A. Yeah, never, yeah, exactly. Which is, I think, something you can do if you also play baseball in college. Which is the Yeah, same I mean, he debuted baseball. at high A. So yeah. he only played at two levels. I, and that's all well and good with me. I say go for it. Because yeah. Because obviously he, he was ready for the major leagues. Um, he was fine that, yeah, he only played a little bit. He was a, a September call-up or August 30th call-up, I guess. That's September. No, it's not. I mean, it's roughly September. <laughs> I, he's, he was the first September call-up. 
uh, in that he was an August call-up. He debuted in August. Mm. Uh, he was also a tater tot in his debut percent. season, yeah. homering off of one Woody Williams, no who drug. we all we remember. I don't. Me neither. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh next season uh was a big season for the rockies in many ways big season for troy Tulowitzki personally and also a big season for the rockies yeah um he uh beat clint barmas out of training camp to win uh the starting short short stop position for clint barmas oh god the other clint what's his name clint hurdle clint hurdle's rockies clint hurdle's 2007 colorado rockies um clint hurdle tried to make jordy mercer compete with clint barmas Maybe he was trying to facilitate the next true to try to Lewitsky. It didn't work. He thought anyone who competes with Clint Barmas will become Troy Tulowitzki. Well, no, I think the actual thing was that Clint Barmas and Clint Hurdle have a relationship, and Clint Hurdle trusts him to be like a mentor for young shortstops. Mm-hmm. Uh, but probably Jordy Mercer does not have the raw talent of Troy Tulowitzki. One of the things about Tulowitzki that's important to understand is that he's very good at baseball. Oh, yeah. And that became apparent um, in that rookie year in which he beat out Clint Barmas. Not only... Was he an exceptional defender, as you mentioned? But he was also uh, great on the uh, on the other side at the plate, um, which not a lot of shortstops are or were, especially at that time. Um, it was kind of a down period for offense, offensively minded shortstops. I was going to say offense first, but he was great um, on defense as well. Obviously, um, I think that his rookie season, or not rookie, his first full season with the Rockies was. At at very least, his best all-around season. I yeah. think that he had better offensive seasons. He never had a better defensive season. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I think that he, like, his war wound up being, like, 6.2. And I think it was, if not a perfect 50-50 split, it was pretty close between... In Rookie of the Year voting? Between him oh, and Braun. 6.8. I'm sorry. No. His uh, uh, O-war and D-war... Oh, yeah, we're split up right down the middle. Mm-hmm. He's very good on, on both sides. Yeah, he sacrificed his defense a lot later in his career, though, I think. I, I wouldn't say sacrificed. I would say he became incredibly injured. That's also fair. And got older, too. Let's hold on, though, because let's we want to talk about the 2007 Rockies, who I, I don't think I was old enough to appreciate at the time because I just loved the Red Sox, who had just come off of their big World Series in 2004. Uh, and in 2007, we're like the heavy favorite and nobody even bothered. I'm sure people were talking about it, but I wasn't paying attention. Um, in 2007, uh, the Rockies arrived to September with like a 76 and 72 record or something dumb like that. Yeah. Then they went ahead and won, uh, 14 games. What was it? 14 14 of their last 15 15 regular season games. Yeah. Uh, which included a tiebreaker 163 versus the Padres, uh, which they won in extras. And then... They swept the NLDS, then they swept the NLCS, and then they got swept themselves by the Red Sox. Pretty exciting. Pretty exciting stretch run. Very anticlimactic ending. Sad for Clint Hurdle. He did not spend much longer in Colorado. Well, maybe a couple more years. I think he came to Pittsburgh in 2011. Okay. Uh, I mean, I think he did a good job. Oh, yes. Certainly. That team won I mean, 14 out of 15 at the very end of the season. I I, I said pretty exciting kind of... Uh, as a little joke, but obviously that's one of the most exciting sequences that you could have as a baseball team to finish the regular season that strong. 21 of your Force last. your way into the playoffs on after the last day of the season. Yeah, and then win seven games in a row in the playoffs. Probably pretty high confidence going into the World Series. Yeah, I mean, and uh, all the Rockies fans said, well, thank you to Troy Tulowitzki. Absolutely. 
He had a big season. He should have probably won a rookie of the year. Get he in. didn't get any MVP votes. I mean, if you're going to make the case that a player is only valuable if you pushed his team into the playoffs, then that's the classic kind of case for Troy Tulowitzki because... I think he was also... I don't know. The talent M- did that. They made it to the playoffs by the, by the skin of their teeth. The NL MVP vote was also very weird. The um, Albert Pujols was like clearly and by far and away the best baseball player in the National League that season, and he came in ninth place. What? <laughs> yeah, you want to look at that? <laughs> I didn't look. Yeah, I saw that you mentioned something about it. No, you should pull up the just pull up the voting on Baseball Reference. And see see what happened there because it's pretty wacky. I thought that it was all kind of wacky because uh, also um, Troy Tulowitzki, of course, lost a Rookie of the Year vote to Ryan Braun um, and was much better than Braun that season. Um, but things were... He got... Troy Tulowitzki got, oh, it got, looks like... Votes. I'm sorry, I didn't realize. I'm trying to see how many votes he got. He got 13 vote points. I don't know how that distributes. He got no first place votes. No, he did not get no first place votes. Yeah. Yeah, you... but I mean, he had more war than the winner, Jimmy Rollins. He had more war than the f- top three finishers. Only what? David Wright had more war than he did. Yeah, sort it out by war there. Go ahead and see what happens. I'm going to do that. All right, so it goes nine, Albert Pujols, four, David Wright, eight, Chase Utley, six, Chipper Jones, seven, Jake Peavy, 18, Tulowitzki, one, Jimmy Rollins. Pretty weird. I wouldn't have voted that way, but they didn't have access to war at the time. Maybe, I mean... Yeah, back then... Well, I mean, a lot of Troy Tulowitzki's value, as we've established, was on defense, hard which to is hard imagine. to evaluate. That's fair. I mean, my main thing is I don't understand why Albert Pujols didn't win the MVP again. That's a pretty good season all around. It was an incredible season. He had a 997 OPS. The thing is that he only stole two bases, whereas Jimmy Rollins stole 40. I mean, I think it's fun to steal 40 bases. Well, you wanted to look at the other awards? No, I, I thought that the other awards were weird, and then I looked at the AL MVP voting, and it was absolutely correct. This all looks fine to me. The uh, But the NL Rookie of the Year voting... Complete disaster. You know, yes, Ryan Braun, obviously a very good offensive player. Not Anything. too much to honk at on <laughs> yep. defense on the outfield. No. Um, Meanwhile, we're always honking at Troy Tulowitzki, especially his defense. <laughs> I bring my little clown horn to the park <laughs> <laughs> every time he makes a play. Um, but it was a whole. It was a narrative throughout the year, like yeah. the race between he, uh, between Tulowitzki and Braun, and it wound up being just two points separated them between first and second place. Um, but. Braun had less playing time and also accumulated a lot less value on defense. And looking back at a modern analytics lens, Tulowitzki blew him out of the water. It's 6.8 baseball reference war to Braun's two. Um, and also the third place player won Hunter Pence. Bless him. Uh, Was he had, on the Phillies at the time or the Astros? Yeah, Astros. Oh, uh, that's right. Had 3.4 wins, also <clears throat> putting him above shame. Braun. Shame on you, Ryan Braun. No. I mean, yes, I guess everyone's mad at him for the PEDs. I'm a little bit mad at him about the BEDs. Um, I just, I don't know. Gotta shame somebody. That is a good year for NL rookies. Definitely. A lot of the time, the rookie of the year, someone we don't care about. Yeah. But all three of the top guys this year were great. Went on to have very good careers. People we care about. And then after that, uh, Chris Young, Kyle Kendrick, Yunel Escobar, and finally James Loney, probably the most successful career of anyone on the list. Uh, Troy Tulowitzki also turned an unassisted triple play in 2007. Which is obviously very exciting. It doesn't look like much. I don't know how much it speaks to his quality as a defender. It's mostly a, a function of luck. But yeah. hey, it's cool. It's it only happens cool. every once in a while. 
He got hosed on a Gold Globe. I think that's season two. People had Jimmy Rollins mania that season. So Jimmy Rollins won the Gold Globe. <laughs> what are the symptoms of Jimmy Rollins mania? Uh, good, undersized shortstop passion. I don't know. What? <laughs> Troy Tulowitzki is an oversized shortstop. Yeah, that's why everybody feels weird about him. I don't know. Everybody prefers Jimmy Rollins because he's a classic shortstop. He's like 5'8". Yeah. Whereas Jim, uh, Troy Tulowitzki, notably 6'3". Kind of hard Very to unusual height for a shortstop. I think that's why Clint Hurdle might have seen a little bit of him in Jordy Mercer because Jordy's also a little bit oversized. Mm, interesting. Yeah. That's a Cal Ripken kind of model for shortstop, and I think it's hard to, hard to sell that as like a sustainable model for a shortstop play for some reason. I, I mean, Troy Tulowitzki, toward the end of his career, blamed his unusual height for the reasons for the, that he's had so many injuries. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Because I, I guess it's a lot of strain on muscles if you're always trying to make those deep throws. It's a lot of leaning over. Right. Yeah. Maybe that's not a sustainable model. Maybe you have a little guy at shortstop. I don't... I, I, it's a great question. I, I don't know about any evidence for it, but traditionally... I mean, the big Middle one, infielders have been small. Yeah, the big ones are Troy Tulowitzki, Cal Ripken Jr., I wouldn't even think I would consider Jordy Mercer a big one. I mean, he is big, but not... He's probably the most famous shortstop of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I, if I had to rank... If you had to. If I wouldn't want to, but if I was forced to rank, I would go Mercer number one. After his um, breakout 2007 season, Troy Tulowitzki signed a big old contract with the Rockies, uh, which would have brought him to the uh, end of the 2010s. Uh, six years, $31 million. Uh, which is at the time the largest contract for a player with less than two years experience. Nowadays, people are signing players with zero years experience for more money than that. So think about that. <sighs> Makes me sad. Why? I don't know. Money is bad. Money is bad. I mean, people should have money. We get a stupid relationship with money. People spend it too freely. And on stupid things. What's something you shouldn't spend money on? Just a cat- categorically bad investment. Big garbage bag full of popcorn. What if you're running a movie theater? Then you wouldn't buy it in a garbage bag. No, you'd buy bag. it in seeds, probably. Yeah, and then pop it as you needed it. Mm-hmm. Like, Steph Curry's always going around getting garbage bags full of popcorn. He is? You don't know about this? <laughs> no. Steph- you don't know that Steph Curry's like a big popcorn kind of sir? He gets a garbage bag full? Hang on. Steph Curry garbage bag of popcorn. Yeah, one thing that I do know for sure without having to Google it is that Steph Curry gets so much popcorn that he has rated uh, every NBA arena's popcorn. The best popcorn in the NBA, according to Steph Curry, is in Dallas. But why does he need that much popcorn? Like a garbage bag? Look. Uh-huh, that's a lot of popcorn. I'm seeing a picture. I'm seeing a picture of Steph Curry, I think. I mean, his head's not in the picture. Stephen Curry has a popcorn problem. That's this is an article. That bag of problem is half of the size of Steph Curry. Who's not a small man. I think the popcorn is a great snack. I think that a garbage bag is too big. Too much popcorn. Here's his popcorn rankings. Oh my god, that's that's not just like a... a <coughs> he's broken out every stadium's popcorn by freshness, saltiness, crunchiness, butter presentation. And giving them each a one to five rating, so no half stars. Top five, Dallas, Brooklyn, Miami, Portland, and Sacramento. Who has the worst popcorn? Now, the Atlanta Hawks don't get a presentation rating. No, they got a one. 
It's so Oh, bad. it's so light. Wow. <laughs> Must have been atrocious presentation. Memphis, jeez. I'm curious about the worst. Let me just scroll down here. Oh, no, it's the Staples Center. The Clippers actually have... Oh, it's both. The yeah. Clippers Lakers actually have okay presentation but it's just not salt it's the no butter at all the flavor just isn't there no saltiness that seems i respect that actually i like they're the, just giving you a, a meat and potatoes kind of popcorn my favorite is the hornets <laughs> we're bad across the board but the presentation is great <laughs> i need to know what they do I bet they put a little bow on top. Yeah, that's it. That must be it. Okay, that was a weird... You shouldn't spend a lot of money on popcorn, especially a big bar- garbage bag of popcorn, because it's going to go bad, and then you'll just have a big bag of bad popcorn that you can't eat. You can't eat that much popcorn. You it's can't impossible. eat that much popcorn. The, the, you can be as big as Steph Curry, but it's not going to make a he's difference. He's not that big. I mean, he's bigger than me. Six feet tall. Six foot four, I think. No. He's six foot even. No, he's not. Yes. No, he's not. That. He's six three, according to No me. way. Give me a break. Okay. Here's I, Wikipedia. It says six three. Huh? Maybe he's just very skinny. He is very skinny. Yeah, but he's pretty tall. All right, fine. He's a big man. He I can. mean, he presumably eats more than me. You can't eat that much popcorn, though, stuff. You got to take a break. Popcorn is a food that, if I eat too much of, will make me sick. Yep, because it's just nothing in your tummy. Yeah, just empty calories. Not even calories. Just a lot of carbs. All right, we got to keep going. Uh, where were we? Oh, they, in, he. In the next season, very early, he had his first major injury. He tore... Who did? Sorry. Not Steph Curry. Not Steph Curry. Who we've been talking about. Who but. also might have gotten hurt in 2008. That sounds right to me. He's hurt a lot. Yeah, kind of. Just like Troy Tulowitzki. Who we're talking about. They have comparable careers in some ways, well, except Steph Curry's... Gonna had, go to the Hall of Fame. Yes, he will. Um, it's easier to make the NBA Hall of Fame, though. But Steph Curry has been better as well. Yeah. They're not that comparable. He changed the game. He loves to shoot three-pointers. Troy Tulowitzki kind of changed the game. He allowed there to be taller or short. I mean, he kind of ushered in an era Offensive. of heavy-hitting shortstops. Yeah. Um, he had his first big injury. He tore his left quadriceps tendon, which kept him out until late June. Portended a lot of the injuries that would come later in his career, although yeah. he continued to be good in his playing time that season. Um, but the next few years were like the peak of Tulowitzki, Pete yeah. Tulo, as he liked to be called. Tulo season. Uh, he went ahead and accumulated 6.5, 6.7, 6.2 wins above replacement in those seasons. He hit for the cycle. He had two fifth-place MVP finishes. Uh-huh. He signed a, a, a six-year extension on top of his other extension, and he made the All-Star game twice but was unable to play each time due to little injuries. In 2010, he became one of three players since 1900 to hit 14 home runs in a 15-game stretch. Yeah. Can you name the other two without looking at the computer? <clears throat> was one of the Barry Bonds? Oh, you know, it was Barry Bonds in 2001, his big Barry Bonds season. Is the other one, like, Babe Ruth? No. Is it going to be someone stupid? Probably. Not really. Not stupid. That's not fair. He was a baseball player. Okay, so Larry Walker? Close. So Rocky? Who? The boxer? No, no, oh, is oh, it a oh, Rocky? Oh, oh. No, it is not a Rocky, but it is like a... A contemporary of Larry Walker? Yeah, and like the same kind of tier of power-hitting baseball player. Frank Thomas? Close. I don't know. Albert Bell. Albert Bell. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, Albert Bell, Barry Bonds, Troy Tulowitzki. 14 home runs and 15 games. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's got arbitrary endpoints, but I like it. Uh, 15 game stretch is a nice, that's a roundish. Right, but I mean, round numbers are arbitrary. Everything's arbitrary. <laughs> are you okay no i mean you've blown my mind so thoroughly oh no 
so that was, it, it was good in in those years. Yeah, and then after that, I mean, two thousand that he uh, he became dead. Two thousand and twelve was a watershed year for all of us. It. Uh, Why do you say that? I think it was the last good year, maybe twenty fourteen, but it certainly marked. I think that in retrospect, two thousand twelve will mark the beginning of the end. What happened in two thousand twelve? Uh, Obama the, re-election. That was that was okay. I mean, that was good. Uh, the world was supposed to end, and it didn't. That was great too. Those are the two main things. Oh, and you think those are the two things? Oh, sorry. I was. That's not the year it began to go bad. That's the year everything was still okay. I think that it. I think twenty thirteen it began to go bad. Yeah, I think the world peaked in twenty twelve. Okay. Uh, but I also think that Troy Tulowitzki was a little bit ahead of the curve in that. His. his, his he heard his. He heard his groin on May thirtieth. He peaked in eleven. Uh, of of twenty twelve. He had to have groin surgery, and he could only play forty seven games that year. Sad. Next season, not bad. He missed 25 games with the French rib. So I, like, I did this summary here. I'm not, there were a bunch of times he just got hit by pitches and broke his pinky and all kinds (laughs) of crazy stuff that I can't even fit in here. He had so many, like, random injuries, a lot of them from being hit by pitches. The broken rib was he obviously got hit in the chest by a baseball. Oh, God. Um, uh, Yeah, and then the next year, 2014, he hurt his left hip in july which ended his season again you can tell things have gone south for too low we hate hip injuries here on tater tots yeah it is worth saying at this point this is something that i pulled from the ringer article uh, which we'll have in the show notes it's a very nice eulogy for tortillowitzki is it fair to call it a eulogy kind of yeah. it was written on the occasion of his retirement i would call it a eulogy. from 2009 to 2014 tortillowitzki hit 309 385 553 and collected 50% more war than the sport's next best shortstop. Troy Tulowitzki was the shortstop of the 2010s. I think there's no denying that. Yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> I, uh, and Rockies fans loved him for it. I mean, I, I think a, a part of the Tulo story is what an impact he made on the Colorado Rockies, who are always a weird franchise um, when it comes to superstars, because you never know what's real. I think it's kind of the sad thing... Well, it's not. I think it's it's it may be just like par for the course for professional sports, which are kind of regional by design. Now, wait a minute. Hold on. I have to go back to something you said. Uh. Shortstop of the 2010s, because he was kind of a cross decade. He was, I mean, a lot of his best work was in the aughts. Yeah, but this stretch is pretty good from 2009 to 2014, which gets like only one year in the aughts. Yeah, but I mean, what about like Carlos Correa? Oh, I suppose the 2010s are just they over. They just ended. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'll amend this and I'll make a more we'll make a more definitive. Has someone already done this? Do we have to bother with it? Best just... shortstop of the twenty tens? Yeah. I mean I bet it was Shorty Lewitsky. Here's MLB.com's ten best shortstop of the twenty tens. One, Elvis Andrews. Mm, okay. Two, Andrelton Simmons. Mm-hmm. Three, Tulo. Mm-hmm. Four, Lindor. Uh, five Crawford. That's nice to see. He's very good. Six Segura. Nice Correa. Sure. Desmond. Okay. Estrubal Cabrera. Fine. Maybe. And Sterling Castro. Sterling Castro. This is fine. <clears throat> it's fine. I think that Troy Tulowitzki has he he carved a place for himself in the era, and I don't know exactly what era that was, but he was quite good and quite a big name. The lead of this article, okay. or like the introduction to the Elvis Andrews portion of the article. 
The fact that Andrews, a terrific player but hardly someone we'll be talking about for Cooperstown in a decade, is the pick here, speaks to the thinness of the decade at the position. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think the next decade is going to be more promising. Okay, fair. Well, Lindor and Correa, specifically, right? I mean, those two are such big superstars. They both emerged toward the second half of the decade. Also very young. Yes, that's true. Yeah, okay. Next year. Um, Welcome to the 20... uh, Happy New decade everyone thanks this is the podcast where we discuss players who had just one home run in the previous major league season <laughs> uh 2015 was an interesting year for troy Tulowitzki. uh he was traded from the rockies and what was something of a devastating move i think that a lot of people anticipated it he nevertheless he was very upset Tulowitzki was very upset, and he said he would never speak to anyone in the Rockies' front office again. He learned about the trade during a game, which is not good for him. No, that's not cool. Um, the trade itself uh, was Troy Tulowitzki and Latroy Hawkins for Jose Reyes, Jeff Hoffman, Miguel Castro, and Jesus Tinoco. Uh, Tulo and Hawkins made their way to Toronto. Toronto had maybe its best showing in the postseason ever in 2015. Yeah, that might be right. I would have to check on my Blue Jays history. Well, I mean, they won a World Series a couple of times, but at least in recent memory, since the last time they won a World Series, they the, that that Blue Jays team was... <clears throat> yeah, so they, they also traded for um, David Price yes. that year and had a very good second half, burst their way into the playoffs. Um, so, I, I mean, I would say looking at all the players in that trade, mm-hmm. kind of a wash in the eyes of history, but just because... Of that playoff appearance, I feel like the Blue Jays got the better of that deal. Yeah, I linked in there just so some footage of uh, that fun game that the Blue Jays played against the Rangers that was capped off by the Jose Batista home run. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think on paper, Troy Tulowitzki cont- contributed to that run, but he did not really seem to be in the middle of any of the excitement in that game. Uh, and that made me wonder whether... I mean, I bet he's not bitter about being on the Blue Jays. But I'm sure that some of that, some of the excitement that goes along with, I'm sure like there's some camaraderie, camaraderie built around that team, and I wonder if that's kind of soured by the fact that he was traded unceremoniously from the Rockies. Rockies fans were very sad about it, as you can understand. He was the big, the white knight, gleaming hope for the, the Rockies Colorado organization. So that was, you know, that might have been the last. That's the last highlight of the his last career. Peak I would of Troy say, yeah. his career. Um. In 2016, he was still a pretty good hitter. He had 102 OPS plus, which is, you know, good for a shortstop. Yes. Um, but his his average dropped into the 240s, and he, his defensive prowess dropped significantly, presumably due to the accumulation of broken wrists and broken ribs and Hips. hamstring injuries. His hip was broken. Oh, God. <laughs> Just a man broken by baseball. 2017, another bad season, had a hamstring injury and a sprained ankle, revealed to be ligament damage. He was limited to just like 40 or 50 games that year. Yep. And then 2018, literally an entirely lost season. He was diagnosed with bone spurs before the start of spring training. Missed the entire thing. Terrible. And then the weirdest thing to ever happen to one of the best baseball players of our generation. Yeah, I remember this happening on Twitter. Yeah. Not so long ago. It was uh, on December 11th, 2018. The Blue Jays said, we are releasing Troy Tulowitzki from his contract with two years remaining. The free-for-all was on. I Everybody 
wanted him. Everybody could have had him. He was pretty broken. But but an interesting... I mean, he's kind of a Greg Bird type. An yeah. interesting raffle ticket. It used to be great. Could have been something, maybe. Well, it turns out he was nothing. No. <laughs> uh, he signed with the Yankees on a minor league deal uh, as... I'm not sure. I, I don't remember the exact timeline. I don't know if it was insurance for D.D. Gregorius or if... I don't... I don't know. Didi That's had at that point. Cause at, at Didi, Didi only missed part of the season. Yeah, and Troy, and Troy Tulowitzki filled in until he got hurt again. <laughs> this was a weird season for the Yankees. They ended up being fantastic, but all of their players were hurt. Yeah, so he got he signed a deal for the Major League minimum salary, but he got into a trade clause because presumably he did not want to deal with that again. Yeah. It seemed like it upset him a lot. Um, as a kid, Troy Tulowitzki idolized Derek Jeter. That was his favorite player. Um, that's why he wore the number two. Um, and I I suspect that that's probably why he chose to sign with the Yankees. As you mentioned, he had his pick of the litter. Yeah, it's a fitting place for him to wind up. But like, it's nice that that's how his train kind of rolled into the station was to sort of share the field that Derek Jeter played on. He retired midseason, July 25th. And he hurt himself. Yes. He, he strained yeah. his calf after only five games he did hit a home run. That was nice. We we discussed it earlier. But then after five games of playing baseball, he hurt his calf. Uh, and he went on the injured list. And then July 25th, he said, I can no longer I can no longer continue to play baseball. I'm in a lot of pain. Sounds terrible to me. Frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> not, not very old. I think he's like 33. Although I wonder if, I don't know. I, I would imagine if you put that much effort into your life, like, mm-hmm. in your life, if you had life's work. Yeah, I can't even imagine what that would be like, but yes. <laughs> I don't know. I always, I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast before, um, but as a non-athlete, when athletes get injured and have, injured and have to miss extended period of, periods of time, mm-hmm. I think, ah, that's a little bit of bad luck, but... You don't think the next nine months of this person's life are going to be awful, like they're going to have surgery, they're going to be in intense physical therapy. Yeah. You're going to have, like, cortisone shots and stuff, which are terrible for your heart. Yeah, for his life's work. He's 35. 35. Okay. A little older than I thought. Not that old. No, I mean, as a person, he can probably expect to live another 35 years. At, at least. least. Even as a baseball player, though. Here are all the injuries that Troy Tulewitzki had. <coughs> Quad strain, thumb laceration, hamate fracture, groin strain, rib cage fracture, hip labrum surgery, scapula fracture, quad strain, hamstring strain, ankle sprain, bone spur, and heels, which required surgery and calf strain. I can't imagine having any of those injuries. No. Each of them individually seems like something that would ruin my entire <laughs> way of being. I would lie in bed and say, nobody talk to me for the rest of my life. I have a scapula fracture. <laughs> And yet, he picks up and keeps going for a while, but then eventually he stopped doing Gets that. injured again. People don't normally get injured. In I the mean, course like, of their lives? On average, the average human is not getting injured. No. That's absolutely true. Even for Troy Tulowitzki, actually. Maybe being a professional athlete is a curse. It's a trade-off for sure. I just like, I, we're going to continue to talk about this because everybody that's ever been a tater tot gets injured obviously or else they wouldn't probably be a tater tot depends i mean yeah there's obviously i mean i think that's the problem with covering like these big name guys is a lot of this is the reason they end up on this list a lot of the time yeah and it makes me reflect on whether or not it's ethical to enjoy sports 
Do you think it is? Get back to me. Right now, I'm leaning towards no. Look at how many injuries he got. Yeah, I mean, we push people beyond their natural limits. And for what? Millions of dollars? They get millions of dollars. And we, and we get, get, like, a sense of identity. Civic pride. Maybe it's worth it. I don't know. But we're kind of throwing people to the lambs. Yeah, lambs? No, throwing lambs. people like lambs to the slaughter. To the slaughter. Um, I don't know. It feels difficult to enjoy anything without making compromises. What's something that you can enjoy without any compromises? What about a nice hot day in January? <laughs> <laughs> a beautiful hot January day. Oh, my parents got married on an unseasonably warm day in January. Huh. In 1980 something. You think that's poetic? What do you mean? I don't know. Do you think it. Like, is there a metaphor to draw from it? I'm trying to think. You mean to now or to generally? Oh, to like uh, something about their relationship. My mom thought it was a blessing from her departed grandfather. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, there's personal significance to it. Okay. That was one, that's what I was asking. Now the personal significance is uh, the climate is changing. In 1987, it was less likely that it was caused by a changing climate. Yeah. Um, what is one thing that I can enjoy without compromise? Uh, like my loved ones. I don't feel like I have to compromise mm-hmm. with most of them. <laughs> so that's no, that's no good. <laughs> Try again. No, like, I mean, truly, like, the people who I, like, keep around... It's very difficult to enjoy things without compromise in 2020. I don't know if it was ever possible. What about, like, just a, a forest? Okay, yeah. Like, the outdoors, I guess, generally. Like, yeah. I like going for a walk. There's so much about the outdoors that I considered, but say, no, like, a field of flowers, probably not, because mm-hmm. that's, like, cultivated. Um, Do you think that even going for a walk qualifies? Because I usually like to go for a walk in the city. Then you're, like, you know, participating in the degradation of the land. And, like... Our entire lives are kind of, you know, they're they're built on the slaughter of Native Americans. Like, you have to feel guilty about that no matter what you're doing. I don't know that feel guilty is the right... You, I mean, you have to reckon with it. Yeah. Compromise. Yeah. <sighs> hey, what about that Troy Tulowitzki gif? Oh, I forgot it. I can't believe I didn't... I stuck Did it you include end. it? Yeah, it's in the end there. It's just like one little other grab bag of interesting Oh thing my god, this is such an important that Troy bit of baseball history. Contributed to the internet in baseball history. Uh, of course, it's a gif of Troy Tulowitzki at the bat uh, against the dear departed Jose Fernandez, the Miami Marlins in the... Was this 2015? I No, it was earlier than that for sure. Is this the original? No, it's No, this not. is from when he died. The tweet is post-dated. Um, I, I don't know when this gif is from. I do think it's from maybe like 13 we were in college because i remember i remember it happening yeah okay um, 13 sounds about right 13 14 troy tulowitzki at the bat jose fernandez on the bump for the marlins uh tula has a sharp line drive to uh jose fernandez's glove side uh and fernandez snatches it right up out of thin air uh and <laughs> the camera zooms in most perfectly perfect shot maybe in baseball photography is a zoom in on Troy Tulowitzki freezing in the batter's box and mouthing, or you are able to read his lips as he asks Jose Fernandez, did you catch that? And then in a... It cuts with perfect timing. Perfect complimentary reverse shot to Fernandez walking toward the dugout, laughing and saying, yes, yes, I did. This is, okay. The only GIF I know of that has audio. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's... <laughs> uh... 
I mean, Jose Fernandez notable for having just the most beautiful smile. He's good, great that smile. features in it. I uh, I have never known something to be so easily lip readable. Yeah, it's a really special, it's a special piece of baseball ephemera. I, it's better than the called shot. Just, oh, for sure, the called shot is sucks. Well, Who cares? In terms of like photography, like that's a kind. Of, what's what's the most famous baseball photography? My famous baseball photography is the picture of Adam Jones, the World Baseball Classic. That's a pretty good one. This is the best one. This is not a picture, and this is... It's many pictures. This is a clip. It's a gif. I agree. And it's probably the best one. It is It is among the upper echelon of baseball media ever produced. And it's Troy Lewitsky. Thank you for remembering this. How could you forget it? I'm a stupid person. I mean, not how could you forget it, I... You know, you. Oh, how could one forget it? You put the whole note sheet together. I don't, I don't begrudge you forgetting it. Uh, uh, if this is all that Troy Tulowitzki's contribution amounts to, it will have been worth it. Yeah, it's not. He contributed a lot. He's one of the. He best did. Short- he was a great shortstop. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a beautiful encapsulation of baseball in the 21st century. Thank you, uh, uh, Tulo. Thanks, Tulo. And Jose Fernandez. I'm sorry, uh, you died. Rest in peace, Jose. Uh, we have a snake fact for you before we go. I practice. Oh. <laughs> Not very much. Okay, let's see. Although most snakes are oviparous, which means they give birth by laying eggs, a few species are viviparous and ovoviviparous, meaning they have live or partially live births. Regardless of the type of birth, when snakes are born, they immediately start their lives on their own with no need for a maternal figure. Good for them. Yeah, I mean, thanks to snakes for being so independent. Being an interesting figure for us to continue to study. One episode at a time. Hey, that's going to do it for us this week on Tater Tots. You can, of course, donate to Baseball for All, which is an initiative that gets girls involved in youth baseball programs. It's very important. There's a link in our show notes. You can follow us on Twitter, Tater Tots Pod. You can like us on Facebook, Tater Tots Pod, slash, nope, what is it? Facebook.com slash Tater Tots Pod. <laughs> Behind the Facebook URL slash Tater Tots Pod, you can like us. I already said that. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, we're rusty. We haven't podcasted in a couple it's weeks. It's been a couple of weeks. You can email us, tatertotspod at gmail.com. Next week, uh, Abraham Almonte? I mean, it is, but... No question mark. No question mark. Abraham Almonte, period. Exclamation point. Bye. Too fast, you'd run out of gas But that's not possible